Welcome to Level Playing Field, a podcast about video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kimball, and joining me today is Dylan Wren. Hello. And Joe Summer. Hello. And today we're talking about our favorite video games from 2019. Before we get to that, though, I want to let everyone know that if you've got feedback or questions, email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Also, check out our website, which is www.lpfgaming.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Level Playing Field Gaming. Now let's get to it. You guys got your list of your favorite games from 2019? Got mine. Affirmative. <laughs> All right, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I'm thinking we'll do this is we will start with our number five game, and we'll each go around talking about our number five, the number four, so on. We'll get down to one. We'll discuss it. And then after that, we'll do kind of an honorable mention section for the back half of our lists. Anything that, I mean, you can run down your list and anything that you feel like you want to dive into a little bit, that'll be the time to do it. Okay. So, Joe, why don't you start us off? What was your number five? My number five for the year was Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Uh, So I have probably brought it up on the podcast before but this was a it was a total overhaul of the visuals for the game gameplay itself is still the same but they uh, put all the visuals into 4k added new animations some more detail and then uh, stuck a whole bunch of extra content in there and have they've continued to update it since it came out so the original, like the game itself, is an old game, but to get a new release with you know active support, they're fixing bugs. They've been making some balance tweaks, and so I've been enjoying getting to play some of that in the last couple of months. That, that's all I got. Yeah, and now that one comes with all the like expansion campaigns, right? Yes. So that that bundles all. There's been one, two, three expansions mm-hmm. that have come out since the original launch. So it includes those three plus a fourth expansion that they stuck in just for this. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, 15, 20 bucks, and you get all of it together. So there's no concerns over, uh, you know, dividing the player base based on who has access to what. Mm hmm. That's a pretty That's good deal. Bad. Yeah, 15 20 bucks. I was expecting this to be like 40. That's a lot of content no, for that price. They, yeah, it's it's pretty reasonably priced. Uh there's a discount on it if you previously mm-hmm. owned Age of Empires on Steam. Oh, and okay. I guess as a a final note, the fact that they're actively invested in the franchise at this point means that we're getting more Age of Empires in the future, which is exciting. Yeah, a long time ago they promised lots of you know they had pro they had plans for at least four 
core titles and they got to three and burnt out. So to see that picked back up again, you know, getting to see some lost childhood dreams fulfilled is pretty cool. Well, and they've announced Age of Empires four, right? Didn't they announce that at any Yeah, it's it's been confirmed. It's gonna be medieval again. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm not that. super sure how I feel. It looks like they're going uh the, the level of detail is going to increase again. You know, you're going to actually have, instead of, you know, training a single archer, mm-hmm. when you train archers, you're going to get, you know, like 15, 20, kind of that style of RTS where a single yeah. unit will have lots of individual models to mm-hmm. represent its strength. So, so kind of that'll be neat. Uh, I kind of was hoping that they would go further into the future, but they're going to stick with what's safe. Yeah, and that's a Microsoft Studios like exclusive, like a, yeah, first party offering, right? Yes, they they've got a couple of studios on. Well, so Age of Empires two and the Definitive Edition and what's come before, it's Microsoft Game Studios contracting mm-hmm. with other studio uh, other groups. Okay, the upcoming Age of Empires four is going to be by Relic, I think, oh, by the okay. people who did the Dawn most of, recent Dawn of War, Dawn of War. which yeah. didn't get the greatest reception, so they we'll see how it goes. Too, though, didn't they? I want to say yes, but I don't know for sure off the top yeah. of my head. I feel like I remember the Relic logo coming up playing Dawn of War 1 and 2. Um, they did Company of Heroes back in the day, mm-hmm. too, right? And that was Yeah, and that was a really good one, too, so... I think they can do good things with it. Yeah, most of the, the complaints I saw for Dawn of War 3 were the way that they split up content out and mm-hmm. sold it as DLC. Mm-hmm. Not as much on the gameplay, but it was one of those. It's kind of like, if you remember Evolve, when mm-hmm. that came out way back in the day, and Evolve said, hey, you can have one monster for free. Uh, you're going to have to buy any other monsters you want to play, though. Yeah. And it tanked. Like, I think Dawn of War is a similar situation. Yeah, well, and Dawn of War 2, I think, was one of the, like, highest-rated RTS games of that kind, especially in recent years. And so I think people were going in expecting a lot from 3, and it just didn't deliver like they wanted it to. That makes sense. So, Dylan, what you got for your number 5? Let's see. Um, my number 5 is Resident Evil 2 Remake. I've never really been a big Resident Evil fan. I've watched like all the the movies because those are absolute garbage that I love for some reason. Yeah. But the games I've never really gotten into. I just I never played any of the old ones. I think I downloaded a demo for like Resident Evil 6 or 5 or something like that, whatever one was in Africa. Didn't really love it. It really wasn't until Resident Evil 7, the kind of rebooted one. Um, that was first person that I kind of got into it. Um, and I really like that game uh, from what I've played so far. And so I gave Resident Evil 2 Remake a shot, especially because I found it on sale. And I really enjoyed it. The camera and movement has always prevented me from enjoying the older games when I've tried them. Mm-hmm. And so this brings it into a more modern setting. Or, well, not modern setting, like it's still set in the 90s, but it brings it into like modern 
video games. Yeah, it feels where... like a modern game. Because mm-hmm. the originally wasn't Resident Evil Two one of those. There's a fixed camera in every yes. room, and yes. then you had to go through a loading screen to go between rooms. And exactly. the remake gives you just a regular behind the back camera, and you don't have to load into every room. The original yeah, was... had tank controls as well. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't really move and shoot at the same time. Um, you had to like stop to shoot, which at the time I mean was fine. Back then that's just how games were but going back after having played plenty of modern games and trying to play those was just rough for me especially since i never played them didn't have that nostalgia so i I really enjoyed this one i thought the story was good it's also pretty short which is something that i enjoy because i just have so little time to do things in video games and so many in my backlog that's something that i can sit down finish the story in four to six hours and I, I think to get like the true ending or whatever you've got to play it through four times or something like that so the game itself if you do everything and it's probably close to 20 hours 20 to 30 hours but just to get through the campaign and see the ending is like four to six and so that's very reasonable I thought and it's it's a bit spooky, um, which I know you don't necessarily like, Andrew, but I didn't think it was that spooky. I felt more in control of this one. I think a lot of the spookiness just came from, like... Atmosphere. Not, yeah, atmosphere and such limited ammo. Yeah. I'm playing it on normal, I think. So I think if you play it on easy, the ammo is a little bit more generous. Um, and hard, I think it's a little bit more or less generous. So there is some of that where there's zombies all over and you don't have enough ammo to really kill them. You have enough ammo to knock them down and just get past them. So it's more it's more like they're a part of an environmental obstacle as opposed to an enemy to me, which kind of like State of Decay and State of Decay 2, those kind of games where you don't really kill a ton of zombies. You just try to avoid them and get around them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get what so, you're saying. But I really enjoyed it. I didn't go into it expecting to really enjoy it, just because, like I said, I've never really gotten into Resident Evil games, and my my impression was that this was going to be just kind of a throwback to the old one that I hadn't played and enjoyed. But I was pleasantly surprised, so it ended up at number five on my list. Cool. My number five was Death Stranding, which is a very bizarre game (laughs) it's strange in what you're doing and it's strange in the fact that it's a Kojima story and it's kind of cool because he gets to just start from the beginning after doing Metal Gear for so long he is able to just create a new world and start fresh that being said you still kind of feel overwhelmed when you start with all of the different terms for things and the way that the characters seem to know what's going on but you as the player have no idea what the heck they're talking about Mm -hmm. the other way that the game is strange is the way that it plays because it is literally you against the terrain trying to deliver packages in a world where the rain ages you at an increased rate and also spawns these 
for lack of a better word, ghosts from like another dimension. They're called BTs, which stands for beached things, which makes no sense if you haven't played the game. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I would have thought they stood for. And so overall, playing through this game, there were times where I was about ready to just quit and be like, okay, I've had enough. I've seen, I get what this game is. I'm because I didn't enjoy the moment to moment gameplay. I enjoyed it in certain moments and I but then they would do things like make you backtrack across almost the whole map again and it just seemed like such a chore or you would have to go through this specific segment where you you have to go through this area that's infested with the BTs and and so kind of the way it, it forced me to to play and do those things I didn't always like but the story was weird enough and interesting enough to me and I liked a lot of the characters that I just kind of kept pushing forward and then I really I personally really liked the way it all wrapped up and ended and I how it ends and when it ends makes everything kind of make a lot more sense which was nice it didn't it didn't end and I'm still thinking to myself like well what the hell is a BT or you know all these different things that they've been talking about throughout the game. They actually he actually did a pretty good job of explaining it, making the world make sense. You understand why things have been happening the way they are, what happened, uh, and and so it all kind of wraps up nicely to the point where it doesn't necessarily like there could definitely be more Death Stranding games, but it also could just be kind of a one-off thing, and it would be just this nice little contained package. So it'd be interesting to see what Kojima does next. Uh, and so that's why I put it kind of at number five was because Mm -hmm. it wasn't the most fun I've had playing a game all year, but it was one of the most interesting experiences I had playing a game all year. So Joe, what did you have for your number four? Number four is Baba is you, which is the, it's the game's version of that art house movie that all the critics love. Hmm. So the, the premise of the game is it's a, it's a puzzle game. It's on the Switch and PC. It's a fairly simple concept. You control just a single guy, and your only input is moving you know up, down, left, and right. And your goal is to get to a flag or a particular object so that you hit the win condition, and you move on to the next level. Levels are a single screen, but the catch of this game is that you rewrite the rules as you play. There's Mm -hmm. blocks in the level, and you rearrange those blocks to define the rules for that level, which means, well, normally you go and touch the flag to win. It's not always the flag. Sometimes you can do something like make water win. You can say water is win, and then if you touch the water, you win. Okay. Sounds so weird. It, it's it's super weird, and I really like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And the first few levels were a lot of fun. As I get further into the game, it's starting to lose some of its charm mm-hmm. because you go from you know the, the game introduces you, and you can generally rearrange all the rules of the level, and that's a lot of fun. You know, combining stuff and seeing what you come up with to get to the goal and the further you get into the game though the more the game limits you 
what what they'll do is they'll take some of those rule blocks and they'll shove them in a corner so that you can't change it. And then they'll only give you, you know, five or six blocks that you can actually move and work with. And so then the game kind of turns, it feels more like you're brute forcing it instead of really thinking through. Because you hit Mm. this point where you're like, well, there's, you know, one level I'm stuck on, I have, uh, it's, the, the, the blocks I have are wall is win and rock is win. And those are the only blocks I have access to. And so at this point, it just kind of turns into, oh, well, I'm just going to try to brute force the solution. Because there's only a couple of possible things I can do in this state of the puzzle. And so it's, maybe I'm just not smart enough to see the solutions the way they're meant to be seen and the way the critics are seeing them. But that's why this isn't, further up on the list is just at a certain point the cleverness wears off and it's just it starts to feel tedious no that's kind of what i've heard too just other podcasts and stuff people talking about it is that the concept is super cool and unique and the game the first half of the game is really fun and then it just starts to get really hard and kind of lose its charm towards the back half yeah, I don't even think I'm in the back half, and I'm already hitting that point where it's the, the premise is you can rewrite the rules, but then there's they set it up the level so that there's so many cases where you can't rewrite the rules, and it's it's I'll pick it up and you know spend ten fifteen minutes seeing if I can figure it out, and then I'll put it back down. But in general, you like it enough to put it number four on your list. Yeah, in general, I like it, and I like the fact that you know this game is the. It's really kind of just one guy. I mean, he had help, but this is really just a guy who had an idea and was able to run with it and make make a game and sell it, and it got popular. Mm-hmm. So I like it for that. I think it's cool, but. Yeah, I just it's gotten uh, opaque too early on for me to want to put this at like my game of the year. Yeah, mm. Dylan, what have you got for number four? Um, number four for me is a game called After Party. It's by the people that made Oxen Free. Uh, I think they're Night School Studios or something like that. That sounds right. But the premise of the game, I don't want to go too into the game because then I I think it spoils the story and the game is pretty much just about story. Uh, But the the premise of the game is that um, you play as Milo and Lola, two best friends that wake up in hell. And hell is kind of this sort of Tim Burton, Tim Schafer-esque type of world it functions on like normal business hours. So nine to five, you're doing the normal hell stuff. It's kind of more businessy. And then afterwards, everyone goes out to the bars and drinks together. And Milo and Lola find out about a loophole where if you can out drink the devil, if you can beat him in some drinking games, then you can go back to earth. Um, And so it's an adventure style game where they are, going around to different bars within hell, talking to different people, trying to get into Satan's party so that they can challenge him to that drinking game. 
and the story towards the last third last half of it takes a turn um, that i thought was really interesting and i really enjoyed and that put it at number four on my list nice solid choice my number four was katana zero which i played it on switch it's kind of a side-scrolling old-school retro style game in how it uh, is presented the basic concept is you are a kind of like a ninja maybe more ninja than samurai i guess some some somewhere in that wheelhouse and you everything in the game including you every enemy and you are one hit one kill so the idea is you are trying to clear out or get through these rooms essentially and you have some abilities uh, that allow you to kind of slow time and deflect bullets and do kind of stylish cool action things with with those abilities and the way that the the game is presented is your character walks into a room and every attempt is the character thinking how am I going to approach this and if you die it rewinds and he says that won't work and then you try again and eventually when you clear it then you get to watch in real time what you just did to get through the room so anything anything you did in like slow motion plays out in real time which is pretty cool to watch if you jump in and there's four enemies shooting at you you deflect a couple bullets you roll you slash this one from the back it just it plays out kind of like a a cool action scene mm-hmm. and I had heard about this game and I had heard about how cool it was but it didn't really seem like my kind of game but I may, I happened to just pick it up on sale on the Switch and I got really into it because the gameplay loop was really addicting to me and it was also quick so you, you go you, you take an attempt you die bam you're you instantly restart you know yeah but the story was I guess kind of similar to my last pick. It was just bizarre. It was a weird story where you didn't fully know what was going on. They give you some dialogue choices that don't necessarily change how things play out, but kind of puts your spin on it, the character you want to play, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that I wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting the cool action side of it, but I wasn't expecting to really like some of the characters that you meet and to have some dialogue choices and to be genuinely kind of confused and intrigued and curious about what was going to happen next and how it was all going to end. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend that anybody that has a Switch, and I'm, I think it's probably on PC, just check it out, try it, see if you like it. But uh, yeah, Katana Zero was, was my number four. Okay. That sounds like a cool one. I don't normally get into side scroll platform combat but if it's all just one hit one kill I, I can see myself being into that yeah I don't typically either which is why it kind of surprised me how much I liked it because uh, Mega Man games and games like that I never really got into could never really get didn't like the, the difficulty didn't have anything that I felt was drawing me in or pushing me forward mm-hmm. to to learn the game and push through it but something about this one just clicked with me. But yeah. uh, Joe, what you got for number three? Number three, I think I'm stealing one of yours. 
actually I'm stealing your number three, uh, so we can get a two for one here. Gears of War five. <laughs> yeah. And except there's no of war. Is it just gears now? Yeah, they just for some reason I guess to be hip with the kids they dropped of war. But yeah, gears five is mine. That shows how much I'm. Shows how much I'm paying attention to things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so gears five is kind of more of the same in terms of gears at least gameplay wise you know you run around shoot creatures mm-hmm. uh you chainsaw creatures but what made gears 5 stand out over the first trilogy and gears 4 was the storytelling grew up significantly gears 5 there's some they're telling more human stories than perhaps Gears used to be. Gears 1 through 3 especially was just... The story was a bunch of jacked humans are fighting monsters, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And any time they tried to get any more serious than that, it would... They never did it well. Gears 5 did that well, and now is your chance to turn back if you don't want to be spoiled. But <laughs> in particular the you know when you have jd you know it turns out that oh well yeah a long time ago he messed up real bad and so then their friend group is trying to deal with the the fallout of that you know the fact that he didn't tell them uh trying to grasp like how do you forgive him and all of that which is way more interesting than anything gears previously tried to tell the actual you know humans trying to beat locusts was kind of more of the same the open world stuff was neat but this is stood out to me as you know telling the kind of storytelling you would expect from maybe a long form show you know something like game of thrones or the mandalorian that's telling a story you know over a longer period of time uh, they did that well in Gears 5. Yeah, I don't have too much to add, but uh, I will say pretty. I agree. Gameplay was pretty much the same because at this point they're just refining it, maybe throwing in a couple new weapons to play with here and there. But yeah, the the story, Kate's story, letting letting you play as Kate, and it yeah, it definitely it grew up. And I do think that the coalition did take, you know, a few. They did try to to change up the gameplay a little bit here and there with the skiff sections and stuff, which I enjoyed as kind of a a, a break in the action, a breath of fresh air. And I'm not quite as down as Joe on the original ones, but I will agree that that a lot of the story hasn't stuck with me over the years. And I really think that the Gears Five did a did a really good job of com- conveying what what Joe is saying, all the, the actual human aspect of of the storytelling. Yeah, it also helps that Gears Five was available through Game Pass. Yeah, and so getting getting to play Gears through paying for you know got it through a service I already had versus. You know, if I had gone out and dropped sixty dollars on it, I maybe would have felt differently. Would have felt like uh, I don't know if I got my money's worth sixty dollars for just a campaign, but mm-hmm. getting it through through Game Pass got rid of that whole you know wondering if I got my money's worth. 
Yeah, and it was kind of the first big triple A Game Pass game. Mm. Like they've added triple A games since it to it, but this was their first big offering, new offering that showed that everything Microsoft does, you know, is going on Game Pass. So Gears Five, you know, the next Halo, uh, Senua's Saga, the new one that they showed at the Game Awards, mm-hmm. and and that's really cool. Game Pass is just an incredible value. Gears Five, we ne- neither Joe and I really dove into the multiplayer. There is a a multiplayer side to it, which it has its community. People really do like playing it. Neither of us it really clicked with. So like when he said sixty bucks for just a campaign, there is more to the game than that. But yeah, we pretty much play for the campaign and the story. But yeah, that was that was our number three. What a what a coincidence, Joe. Now is it just competitive multiplayer, or did they bring back like the horde mode multiplayer types that they've had in the past? There's there's horde mode, and they also there's this new mode. I forget what they call it, but yeah, was it? The, so the the premise of the of the mode is that three of you intentionally get caught and dragged into the. I guess they're technically not locusts anymore. They're like neo-locusts. But you get dragged um, into their hive. But yeah, you get dragged into their hive, and then you like set off a canister of poison and mm-hmm. then have to run out of there. Mm-hmm. And it operates on a... You have a base difficulty, and then... I guess it's like skulls from Halo. Okay. You can enable all these extra skulls to make it harder and to get a higher score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's neat, but it's not something to play with strangers yeah you want to play with like a dedicated group of friends but yeah basically three of you are in you're trying to get out and you have limited resources so i haven't actually played that mm-hmm. but it sounded interesting but because uh, that was always the multiplayer i got into was like the co-op sort of multiplayer not necessarily the competitive i feel like that's where gears shines mm-hmm. i i know a lot of people like the competitive multiplayer but for me, it just—I don't know—it it never felt fun for me. It was just grab your shotgun, get behind someone, shoot them. Then someone gets behind you, they shoot you. But I mean, I know I'm a noob, so maybe if I stuck to it, I would have got it. But it, yeah, it just never clicked with me. Mm-hmm. But if you have Game Pass, go check out Gears Five. I think you could even play it if you haven't played the previous ones. I'd recommend playing four first, but you don't have to play all the old ones. What you got for number three, Dylan? My number three was an expansion, Destiny 2 Shadowkeep, which was kind of the relaunch of Destiny 2 after Bungie left Activision Blizzard. They bought themselves out of whatever contract they had and became an independent studio again. And Shadowkeep was kind of their relaunch of Destiny 2 after that. So... Uh, the the story of Destiny 2 so far had been the base campaign, which had you fighting the, I'm blanking on their names now, the Legion, the Iron Legion or something like that, on Earth. They, and then it took you to Mercury and you fought the Vex and it, then they had one with Cade 6. But this one kind of goes back to the the Hive and the Moon. 
um, which I thought was, they were some of the most interesting uh, enemies in Destiny 1, and they have been, there There were definitely parts of them that were in the the game so far, but they were kind of side characters and side players in, in the story so far, at least what I've played through. And so going back and having a whole campaign about them, I thought was really good. I still think Bungie makes some of the best shooter campaigns just in general. I think they still do some of the best feeling combat, some of the best feeling movement in first person shooters. And just getting to go through and play, I played it by myself because I didn't really know anybody else who had it, but the matchmaking system is great. The co-op is great. The multiplayer was great. And so I, I kind of, I think we had played through Division 2 earlier in the year, and that didn't really suck me in once we got to, uh, got through the story. Mm-hmm. But Destiny 2 Shadowkeep did kind of suck me in um, and keep me playing. I haven't played in a little bit just because things in school got busy and other games came out that I wanted to play. Um, but that is one that, more so than Division 2, that I think I'll keep going back to now and then to go through and play the new dungeons and raids that they they have and they just do a good job i think of making it a lot more accessible and if you don't if you haven't played destiny 2 yet um it is free to play now yeah it is i actually Mm -hmm. just downloaded it on my xbox to if i find the time or have the itch to just give it a try and see how it goes yeah the the base game's free Mm -hmm. i think just the base game maybe it's free up through the first expansion i'm not sure but i think the first game and maybe some of the older expansions are free at this point but also i think you can buy the shadow keep expansion for like 30 dollars, so it's not that bad and if you don't feel like playing any of the new stuff or any of the old stuff sorry you can it'll boost you directly to just play the new shadow keep expansion oh, yeah. and get that's right kind of cool it. yeah being able to boost does yeah, that so kind of does that get you to being able to do relevant content like let's let's say i must say i get it and i want to jump in with you mm-hmm. so you're saying that i can get shadow keep and it'll boost me up to a point where we can do the same content and it'll still be worth your time. Because some of them most have that, right? you know, even, like I'd say, wow, even if you were to boost up and wow, mm-hmm. and if you're playing with your buddy who's been playing, you're still looking at, well, your buddy's going to have to carry you through some stuff that they're not really right. going to get anything from to help so, you get to a point where you can do useful things. So yes and no, in a way. Um, so, buying shadow keep is not going to make you raid ready for the shadow keep raids so i'm not if i was only if i was advanced enough that i was only doing raid content and that was really the only stuff i was getting any gear from then it i don't know how relevant it would be for me i'm not that hardcore into it and so i'm still kind of gearing up for raids and stuff i can do i'm i have a high enough gear score to do them but i'm also casual so i i don't really jump into them all that often but i believe the gear that does drop is tied to your current gear score and so the drops that i would be getting would be relevant to what my level was as i was playing through stuff with you 
we would be able to go through like dungeons and stuff and I would be getting stuff that was helpful to me and you'd be getting stuff helpful for you. So I wouldn't necessarily be carrying if that makes sense. I think it does some sort of level balancing as well. Um, and then also there are bounties and stuff that you can do or missions that you can do to kill a certain number of this type of enemy and it'll give you a piece of gear and that sort of thing. And so it is something where if you have friends that have it, that play it, it would make it so that you could play with them. Now, if your friends are super hardcore and only raiding, it's not going to put you at that level. But the campaign, I don't think, was that long. And then doing a few dungeon runs could put you high enough that you would be all right there, too. So Right. So I'm not, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to just boost and be able to do raids. But yeah, there's none of that, you know, oh, I just started, hey, can you guys more or less waste your time to help me get to the point that i need to be at so i I like that yeah yeah so that's not the impression i've gotten from now granted i haven't boosted anybody through things but my impression just from the gear that i've gotten to drop doing things that it would be still relevant to my level well let's get out of the destiny weeds for a second and (laughs) why don't you tell us about your number two joe my number two is slay the spire which is a early access title that has been available for purchase before 2019, but hit its 1.0 release in 2019. Mm. So the real quick rundown for what this is, it's a roguelike deck builder. Uh, And so at the very beginning of the game, you can pick from three different characters. They're currently working on adding a fourth. So it's supposed to be out soon. So you pick your character, and that will define your starting. I think it's 10 cards, 10, 12 cards. And so then you, your goal is to climb this spire, and each floor, it's you versus a handful of monsters, or just one big monster. And you're playing your cards to beat the monsters if you you know if you die then all your progress is lost you've got to start over from the beginning Mm -hmm. and the two things that really make this fun and make it stand out the first is that because it's roguelike every session is only gonna last i don't know an hour hour and a half Mm -hmm. if you and that's you know if you win if you die early it's going to be shorter than that so high replayability is a big part of this game and they managed to do that by making each card interesting beyond just the raw numbers it provides so after every encounter you'll get uh, a choice from a couple of cards to pick and go okay what are the which of these do i want to add to my deck and you're never looking at it and going oh, this card does more damage, it's going into my deck, and that's the end of it. There's very few cards that just straight deal damage. There's a lot of extra effects. There's card costs to take into account. So you're constantly weighing that, oh, what do I want? And that that's really where the game shines. And you're constantly thinking about, how does this interact with the other cards in my deck? How can I chain these together into a combo and when you when you get that when you get that last piece 
and can you know chain several cards together that feels really good if you're someone who likes to play thoughtful board games you know board games that offer you kind of meaningful choices that aren't just you know roll the dice this really feels that it's really up in that same category um so i i had a lot of fun with this well, and something too that I liked about it was that the three characters, it's not like there's a single way to build them. Like uh, you can go in and there's a, I forget what the name of it is, but he's got like a sword and you can build him very kind of tanky and defensive and just kind of utilize your, your block a lot. Or you can build him as like a very quick high DPS type of character. And so it's you know three characters is not mean there's only like three ways to play the game i think there's a ton of different ways within them and i think this is on game pass too I could be it is on game pass yeah i was gonna bring that up i saw it earlier today when i was scrolling through so if you have game pass you got nothing to lose checking it out no excuses it's it's definitely worth just play a couple rounds of it at least to see if it hooks you yeah and it's like Joe said, it's one that if you don't have a ton of time, you can kind of just jump into it, play through some stuff, and still feel like you've accomplished something. Dylan, tell us about your number two. So my number two is another expansion, and so it's Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Shocking. Yeah, that's that should come as no surprise um, as the resident Monster Hunter nerd, but it seems every group has one. Yeah. So there, the the original game I got really into in, when it came out in 2018. Yes. Yes. Er, early, early 2018. Um, so I put a ton of hours into Monster Hunter World then. Um, really enjoyed just the constant discovering of new monsters and learning how they fight and crafting new armor and trying out new weapons and, and learning those mastering those and they did a lot of free support you know even a year after the game had released they were still adding new monsters and doing new events and stuff like they crossover events yeah Mm -hmm. they added the witcher they added um the behemoth from final fantasy 15 yes yeah 15 and so there's there's been a lot of cool stuff that they've done with it i think that it's made it uh, they did a crossover event with Devil May Cry, and so I, I just really enjoyed that. They're still Otherwise, doing that into this mm-hmm. year, aren't they? Didn't they do the Resident Evil? Yeah, so Resident Evil came out this year. Um, that one is tied to the Iceborne expansion, though. If you don't have it, you can't do that. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. I got you. But they were supporting like the original game well into, like, right before this one, the yeah. expansion launched. And so now that the expansion is out, it adds a ton of new monsters. It adds a new biome that you can go and explore Um, when you get to the end game it adds a it's called the guiding lands which is a combination of all of the biomes and all of the monsters pretty much that you can go in and that's how you craft like end game gear Um, and they're still adding new monsters in this expansion they're still doing crossover events and you know event quests and all that sort of thing and so and just getting to explore and, and see those new things, I, I really have enjoyed. Uh, I, I also thought Iceborne tweaked a lot, made a lot of quality of life improvements. That's what I heard. 
that they yeah. didn't they give you like a grappling hook or something mm-hmm. so they gave you a grappling hook that you can use to get onto the monster and wound it or make it drop slinger ammo um, you no longer have to put your weapon away to use your slinger you can use it with it out the event like the hub is no longer sort of a mess of three different floors i like the old one but the the new one is a lot better laid out i thought um, yeah if you wanted to use like the online space in the old like the original game it was not super conducive to you using it because you couldn't access a lot of the services that you might want to uh, the new online hub they added all of those services into it so that you could still access everything without leaving the hub and going back out into the main world that makes sense all in all it was more monster hunter um i thought they made up a lot of improvements and i've really enjoyed it um and so it was my number two only because my number one game came out this year as well (laughs) right and with that i'm not going to spend too much time on my number two because i think you guys will have stuff to say about it too but jedi fallen order was my number two i really enjoyed this game yeah I figured we could all just talk about it now. And yeah, we could. Do your, yeah, we can do it that way. If yeah, uh, it was my number two. It was your guys' number ones. So mm-hmm. we can make this one big happy discussion. For me, I love the way that this game captured that Star Wars vibe. It was the most immersed in Star Wars I think I've felt. The lightsaber combat was really fun, especially in lightsaber duels with bosses Mm -hmm. that was where i feel like respawn focused its attention in the combat i know joe had some some struggles with a with a boss fight but i felt like those were the flashiest felt the most Mm -hmm. like a jedi battle um yeah some of the just fighting mobs could get kind of frustrating but maybe i just needed to get good i liked the characters i liked the planets overall, the map could get a little frustrating sometimes. But I think for me, the reason that it landed at number two was just because it was short. Mm-hmm. And after I beat it, I haven't felt an urge to go back. There's no, like there are collectibles and things to hundred percent, but for me, they're not interesting enough for me to go do it. And there's no new game plus or anything else that really, is incentivizing me to go and for some reason and maybe this is just a mental thing for me but when a game drops you back in the world after you've beat it but it says basically it's dropping you at a point in time before you beat it I find myself not as interested going back for some reason whereas if there's a way that they can explain it that you're back in the world after the end of the game I tend to have I I tend to go back to those more often and i don't know why that is it could just be a weird little quirk but i really enjoyed this game and it was in pretty tight contention for my number one spot but what did you guys think i mean we did do an entire spoiler cast on on this game so definitely go check that out too but uh yeah give us the short version yeah, I don't want to get too too deep in, in, into it because if you are interested into it, I just encourage you to go back and listen to the like hour and a half long episode that we did on it. 
um, or go to the website and read what we kind of typed up and thought about it. But yes, that's a good point. We also have the article on the website. Go check that out. Yeah. But like Andrew was saying, I, I thought it was a very good way to get into the Star Wars universe. Battlefront 1 and 2 that EA has released more recently that have been the only other Star Wars games to come out in the past like 10 years, I thought were good, but not they didn't really immerse me in the Star Wars universe. It was more so just like, here's a Battlefield game with Star Wars characters. Whereas this, I genuinely felt like it was here you are in the Star Wars universe in a way that I don't think I've felt in a game since maybe Knights of the Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic 2 or something like that. Um, And so it was uh, definitely my number one game. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I think that was really the, it was in tight contention with Monster Hunter World Iceborne, but just my love of Star Wars and how good the game was kind of pushed it over the edge. It didn't necessarily do a ton of original things with its gameplay kind of borrowed from a bunch of other games uh tomb raider sekiro and the dark Souls series uncharted all those kind of games i think it kind of mimicked a lot of what those did but i thought that it did it well and the story really pushed it into another level for me uh it was not too much to add that hasn't been said already but there's been a lot of let's let's say not great star wars media mm-hmm. recently and well, so to get okay. i take back my mm-hmm because i don't agree with that but go on uh, <laughs> <laughs> i i mean to, the the movies some like them some don't like them i think we're all in agreement that the game side of things has been extremely mediocre yes. recently yeah and so it's i really liked getting something that was just good you know it didn't try to push the envelope in any way it was fairly safe mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was well executed i know a lot of people said that they ran into game ba- game breaking bugs i never ran into any of that uh, mm-hmm. i was playing on pc and that may just be the the difference is that they had a different set of patches on the PC versus console. And so maybe that's why. Well, uh, I think they've all been patched at this point anyways, but I did hear of one bug where if you went to a planet too early, you could get to a place that you couldn't get back from because you hadn't acquired the ability to jump further yet. And so people were basically stuck there and had to restart their games. And they've definitely they've definitely patched that out, but yeah, there have been some steady patches since. Yeah, I mean, I've just I've seen videos, you know, people encountering weird collision bugs and enemies behaving odd, and the only thing I can think was some of those may have been captured on console versions. I don't know. It was smooth for me, so just to get a well executed piece of Star Wars media uh, was. It was what put this up at number one, and it it nailed that experience well. My my criteria for enjoying a game is it either needs to provide some kind of meaningful, like you see something on the big screen, and you're like, oh, I wish I could play that. You know that 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 experience you can only get in a virtual space, or I'm looking for something that's going to 
you know, engage and make me think. Uh, I own like maybe 80% of Paradox's current titles. But <laughs> but Jedi Fallen Order definitely fell in that prior category. That was if you've seen Star Wars and you really wanted to say, uh, you know, oh, A New Hope, man, I wish I could play play that. That's kind of that's what Fallen Order is to me. It's it's a cla- it's a regular old Star Wars movie that you can play. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Well, and I think, too, just the the fact that the game came out, did well, sold well. You know, maybe it wasn't doing anything groundbreaking, but in general, people seem to respond well to it. I think makes me excited for what they're going to do next. Like, it, yeah, it was missing some features, like a new game plus or something like that. Um, hopefully that's stuff that they might patch in and release as DLC later. But I think whatever they choose to do with this setting next will take and learn from a solid game and make it even better yeah i am excited to see what they do with the sequel how they build on this as a foundation because like you said Mm. it's already good yeah i feel like the next one could be great exactly cool well i will wrap it up here with my number one which this game was pretty mixed when it released uh it didn't review the best it had a mixed reviews here and there it had some technical issues when it launched that were later patched um but that's days gone this was just a game that was right up my alley i honestly i waited until it went on sale to buy it because of the, the reviews and it sucked me in to the world and the characters and the story the story and and the characters i thought were so much better than I expected just from what I had been hearing and maybe that was just my personal opinion but everything else was just right up my alley the the motorcycle being able to upgrade your motorcycle drive around a big open world kill zombies the survival horror-ish elements of it were relatively mild and limited which was is good for me and the action and shooting and everything it felt good the the big gameplay component to this game is the hordes that you can come across that will most likely just destroy you early on in the game where there are hundreds of zombies on screen acting as kind of a single entity and you as one person with just the things you've crafted and the resources that you decided to take with you when you left camp try to take them down and that that kind of ended up being more of an end game activity you do it a few times in the story and i think that was one of the reasons that it got some lower scoring reviews was because that was the mechanic that they were showing off pre-release like look what we're able to do with this tech and then they you don't really get to experience it in the game until say 40 hours in or so but for me, it it was it felt very natural. The progression felt very natural, where you kind of build up and you learn how to interact with with these zombies and how to how your character can use the environment to to his advantage. So by the time you reach the end of the game and you're hunting down hordes or or taking down the ones in the story missions, you know what you're supposed to do. Another reason I think it got kind of mixed reviews was for its length because a lot of people are in Dylan's boat these days where they like tighter shorter experiences and I do think that this game you could have trimmed the fat in a few places but 
for me, I never felt like it outstayed its welcome. And, it, and that's probably just because it was a game that was speaking to me. If it's not your thing, then it probably did feel like it went on a little too long. But overall, really enjoyed it. It was a me game. I get not too much more I can really say about it. It was Walking Dead meets Sons of Anarchy, which I enjoyed both of those things for a while until they both went off the rails. But that's a discussion <laughs> for a different time. <laughs> came up with top 10 lists and we just went through our top five so this is the opportunity for you to shout out your your other five games and then do an honorable mention here there for for one of the the lower five that that you think deserves a little love so i guess we can start with uh, joe again what you got joe uh so the honorable mentions i'd like to bring up I'm not going to go through the whole list here, but first one is Apex Legends. Uh, for about three weeks this year, I got super into Battle Royale, and that was because of Apex. Unfortunately, I'm just not a not a fan of Battle Royale as a whole, and not even Apex could change that. But for three weeks, it almost did. And then <laughs> I'd also like to toss a shout-out to Halo Reach on the PC. <laughs> You know, because I I apparently don't actually play any new games. I just like to play re-releases of old stuff. I say that kind of counts. <laughs> and yeah, I just want to throw it out there. It's really cool getting to play Halo on the PC, getting to play Reach again specifically. And please go play it if you have it, because right now it takes a sad amount of time to find a match for a game that came out like a month ago. Mm, that's not good. Is it cross-platform? Match it is not. No, I think the PC base is trying to play with the PC base, and that's why it's... Yeah, you can play with a controller on PC, and there's some grumbling about that because if you have a controller plugged in, the auto-aim is quite favorable to you. Ah. But yeah. it's yeah, it's just PC to PC and console to console. Okay, because I, I haven't looked at the multiplayer on console, but I was going to be surprised if it was... Because even going back and playing Master Chief Collection, I almost always get into a match immediately. Yeah, I think most people are playing on Xbox because that's what you associate it with. It's just now kind of starting to enter the PC space. Do you have any more, Joe? No, nah, that's that's the only things I want to bring up from my other five. All right, Dylan, what you got? Uh, so my my other games on my list were uh, Sekiro, um, Shadows Die Twice, The Division 2, Borderlands 3, Untitled Goose Game, and Remnant from the Ashes. We talked about Division 2 in another episode, so if you're interested in hearing more about that, go, go listen to that episode. Sekiro has been an interesting game. I feel like it's, uh, I've always kind of wondered what it would be like if From Software made a Dark Souls game that actually had a story it told you as opposed to 
hid in a bunch of item descriptions. Right. Um, and so that's been kind of cool to play through. The combat is hard. It's still a From Software game, um, but it is way more forgiving than Dark Souls tends to be. Borderlands 3 is just more Borderlands, and I'm okay with that. Untitled Goose Game I thought was really cool, and it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, I'd recommend checking it out. I think it's like a few hours maybe to play through and beat. Uh, but it was it was a fun little game. Uh, but the one I, w- I wanted to spend the most time on was just Remnant from the Ashes. It's a third-person sort of Division 2 s- Division style game where you're getting new weapons and, and armor and stuff from enemies within the world. I thought the world was really cool. It's been taken over by this weird tree root type of supernatural enemy and you get to choose from a few different character classes and go into them. It's got sort of a Dark Soulsy mechanic where you can travel and rest at these gems where that's kind of your save points, but it's hard to describe. It, it is on Game Pass, so if you're interested in it, uh, check it is out. Is it supposed to be played multiplayer or is it a single player game? So I think it's like a three three player multiplayer you can play through it single player which is how i've been playing do you have bots with you or is it you just by yourself okay Um, i think it just scales some of the the enemies maybe but it would definitely be fun to play through multiplayer if you've got a few people interested in it and i liked the division two but the sort of real world setting i tend to go more towards the the fantasy or the sci-fi and so remnant from the ashes is more interesting i guess to me yeah. because of the uh the setting and characters and stuff and so but i do want to give that a shout out because the the buzz i've heard from it was it kind of released and no one really talked about it and then throughout the year i've just seen like random articles on like kotaku and other places that's like hey this remnant from the ashes game is really good you should check it out so i wanted to give it a little shout out yeah i'm glad you brought it up because i haven't heard much about it in general so it is kind of cool to give it a little bit of a, a spotlight and it, and like i said it's free on game pass if you're paying for game pass which if you have an xbox and an internet connection like just go ahead and pay for game pass yeah, especially since it's you can bundle it in with your gold subscription now exactly so you know if you have game pass i'd, I'd definitely recommend download it and give it a shot and see if you like I it. i may have to try it well my bottom five on my list were Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Fire Emblem, Three Houses, Control, Link's Awakening, and The, the Division 2. Uh, Control is getting a lot of recognition, so I don't need to say too much about it. I am I haven't quite finished it yet, but I am very much enjoying my playthrough of it. It may have landed higher on my list had I finished it, but uh, really, really cool game by Remedy. Division 2, I enjoyed playing it together with you guys. I enjoyed all the detail they put into their version of Washington, D.C., how everything kind of took place in a different museum. Fire Emblem was my first one, and I really enjoyed the gameplay of it. The only thing that held it back on my list was that I got tired of going back to the school and eating lunch with all my students. But, uh, yeah... Link's Awakening, also haven't finished it, really enjoying it so far. It still probably wouldn't have gone much higher on my list just because a lot of the old systems in that game are still old 
but it it looks really cute and it it is fun to play and it is kind of a cool blast from the past call of duty it's more call of duty but it was one of the best campaigns i've played in a call of duty i really enjoyed it it uh, if you play it i recommend playing it with headphones it can be pretty intense at times introduce a new segment here right now what we're calling it the game pass report maybe we'll come up with a catchier name later but yeah for now this is the game pass report the idea of this segment is with game pass at our fingertips and maybe other similar situations like a steam sale or or yeah playstation now Now. epic games giving away exactly twitch giving away a ton of games Yeah, the idea is play a game that you would not have played without something like that. A game that maybe mildly interested you or you just jumped in blind or whatever the circumstances may be. Play it. You don't have to beat it. Play it enough that you can come and talk about it and tell us why it was good, why it wasn't. We're going to go week to week. Each each uh, member of the podcast will get a different week, and we'll kind of go around like that, giving people time to play games. So, hey, you may find your next favorite game this way. Uh, because this is a relatively new segment, I'm going to fall back on a game that I had actually played before Game Pass, but it is on Game Pass, and it's called Rhyme. Now, Rhyme, I feel like, came and went, but in my opinion, could stand against some of the more well-known indie games like your Celeste or your, uh, I don't know, I'm drawing a blank, but there's those indie games that <laughs> that when you think of indie games, they kind of come to your mind. Rhyme is it's a cell-shaded, I, I guess like an adventure game. You, you walk around in a 3D space. You play as a young boy who is washed on shore on this island you don't know what's going on why you're there you end up meeting this like cute little fox companion that travels the world with you there's no combat the whole the basic gameplay is that you're solving puzzles to get further into this island you're trying to reach this tower in the middle and the gameplay itself was fun it kept me engaged the puzzles weren't overly challenging. I never was looking up a guide or frustrated or stumped. Uh, there were maybe some times where I had a cheap death now and then, but overall the mystery is what kind of kept me going. And it had a very impactful and emotional ending, which kind of ties it all together, which I think is kind of the strength of a lot of indie games, is the, yeah. the story they tell or the unique way that they tell their story. And other indie games that I was trying to think of earlier, like Inside, mm-hmm. do similar things where, you know, it's just a side-scrolling game, but its atmosphere is unique, 
and the story it's telling is unique. The uh, indie development scene, they're able to kind of experiment a little bit with with things like that. So uh, it's a short game. I played the whole thing in a couple sittings. I can't remember exactly how long it was. I want to say somewhere five, six hours. If we were if we were coming up with, say, a play or don't play kind of mechanic to, to put a spin on, on this segment where, you know, you may try something on Game Pass and it's just bad. And this would definitely be in the play category. I don't necessarily think that it's for everyone or that or that's for every mood. I think it def- definitely lends itself to certain moods, but I enjoy it. And I, I had a, a good time playing it until the end where it made me somewhat emotional, but you know, in a good way. So the game, again, it's called Rhyme. It's on Game Pass. It's also probably not very very expensive at this point, wherever else you can play it. I think, think it's on everything. I think I've even seen it on Switch, because I think it came out before Switch. But uh, And I don't think it was a full-price game when it came out. No, for sure it wasn't. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it wasn't $60. It, it was indie-priced. Yeah, is this the one that has, like, a bird flying around? Is that or a bird chasing you? Um, I don't think so. There may have been a bird at one point, but I don't know that it was like a main, a main like thing. a main thing. Yeah, I'm either thinking of a completely op- another game, or I also should have something that was like briefly in the trailer, but not actually anything part of it. And I probably should have gone back and maybe watched some YouTube videos, but I'm kind of going off my memory here. But I, it, yeah, <laughs> that shows you that at least it sat with me. It sat with me that long. What I can recall, I I did. I did enjoy it. It's it's definitely worth checking out. So, you may download it. Yeah, give it a shot. Take advantage of that Game Pass I'm paying for. Another new segment that we're going to introduce. This is going to be how we kind of wrap up our episodes moving forward for the foreseeable future. We're going to play a game uh, based around the concept of an elevator pitch. So the the basic concept is that I will be judging and whoever is on the podcast that week will have prepared an elevator pitch that can be no longer than a minute. And similar to, I guess, like a Cards Against Humanity system, you can try to pitch it to me as you know me and something that would appeal specifically to me. You could just pitch something that you think would be so badass that I would have to pick it, or you could go completely the other end and pick something off the wall and goofy and just for shock value, you know, you may get a win. The idea is we'll do this going forward and we will keep score, and then whenever we stop playing it, probably, you know, I'm thinking a good three month or maybe six month we're, we're, we'll see how it goes moving forward we will recognize the winner in some fun fashion we would like to invite the listeners to participate 
So if you want to write up a pitch and send it in to the email lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com, then you can compete with the panel as well. Your score won't carry forward because we probably aren't going to pick the same person each week, but it, it'll just be kind of fun, and you will get recognized if I pick yours over everyone else on the podcast. So, without further ado, who wants to go first? I think Dylan does. <laughs> I, can, I can go first. All right, well, let me get a little timer going. I don't know if this will take quite the full minute, um, but I'll do my best to describe it in a semi-lengthy way. I mean, if you can do without, if yeah. you can do like a 15-second uh, and then a mic drop kind mm. of situation, you can go for it that way too. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be a full okay. minute. Let me know when you're ready, and I'll start the timer. I'm going to start one on my end, too, so I can see it. All right, start now. Um, so my idea for a game would be uh, set in the Avatar of the Last Airbender universe. Um, I was thinking of a Breath of the Wild-style game, so kind of like that Legend of Zelda-esque type of thing, but sort of the Breath of the Wild newish version of it, so rather than limiting where you can go and having a more linear type story, making it be where you can go and explore the world, you have the different, you know, Fire Nation, Water Nation, um, all of those kind of around, and you, your goal is to defeat the big enemy, or the big bad guy of the game, and you go around and learn, you know, the different um, airbending, waterbending, that kind of thing. From the different nations. So you play as the Avatar? Moves. Yes. Um, and I don't know if it would be like the Avatar from the show or just a new light character. Um, but that was kind of my idea, my my pitch. There. Well, that pretty much was perfect right on a minute. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Joe? All right. Uh, is the timer rolling? The timer is go. All right. So what I'm... What I got for you is a, I'm going to call it a semi-open source MMO. Uh, so not necessarily saying like full open source, but you know, imagine an MMO where they give all of their content creation tools to the player base. Uh, and so instead of having a bunch of designers and artists, you know, come up with your your quests and your stories and all of that it's instead come up the players come up with it and content is voted into the game either by just a straight polling system it could be by a council system you know once if you've contributed things that are sufficient quality you get added to the council to then vote on stuff getting added uh, but time's up, you know, ah, oh, frick <laughs> a minute goes fast. Doesn't it? I was just getting warmed up. <laughs> Your concept sounds really interesting, Joe. That would be yeah. a really, a really cool take and probably breath of fresh air that the MMO space needs, but I got to give it to Dylan. Cause that sounds like a super fun game. Congrats, man. There's some victory music for you.
because I, as I was coming up with it, I was like, I really think it would just be cool to wander around in that world and experience like that world. And I went, and I feel like it lends itself well to that sort of Metroidvania, Legend of Zelda esque style of game. I actually did play, I think, the Legend of Korra game. I didn't beat it, but it was super cheap or something on Xbox like a long time ago, and. I was like, this game is not good, but I just, I want to play in this world, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Dylan Dylan takes the point this week. But Joe's game sounded really Joe's, yeah. Like, it, it, it sounded like an EVE Online almost sort of situation where they basically just like, but in like a a more condensed setting. The, where instead. Yeah, the concept of, behind that game yeah. sounds... I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Like like I'd love to see it just as a social experiment. Like how long does it take until lightsabers are in the game, you know, or, or something like that. Yeah. That that's my angle is it's the whole, you know, you see people post, you know, on forums, their concepts for things that they think should be in the game or Mm -hmm. pointing out, uh, you know inconsistencies or how some content falls short so this is kind of that like all right let's let's run a social experiment and see because you, know, you see the comments responding to those like well hire this guy how come this random guy on the forums can do it better than the people who get paid so this is a uh pu- put your money where your mouth is kind of situation yeah. right yeah can you imagine how many different races yeah like different races there would be in World of Warcraft if they did something like that. Right. Well, but the other thing too is it would have to be approved. You couldn't just be like, yeah. I think there should be deer. Actually, no, deer people are a thing in WoW. But <laughs> yeah. You, you get the idea. Like it's it's got to be something that makes enough sense that <laughs> yeah. You have to vote on it, approve basically. Of it, and yeah, it gets let into the game somehow. Whether that be like select individuals or just straight everybody gets a photo I, like the, the the you could go either way hmm. yeah that's there but maybe cool I like that concept well either of you guys have anything else you want to say about 2019 games in 2019 not that i can think of i said everything i wanted to say cool well this has been another episode of level playing field thank you joe and thank you dylan for joining me i'm andrew kimball and i've been your host I want to thank everyone for checking us out. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Just a quick reminder that if you have questions, topic suggestions, or criticism, send us an email at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com with anything you think would make the show better. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. See ya. so full of sandwich.